Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, in the New Testament section of our Red Bibles on page 104. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O God, tell us what we need to hear, and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away, like a branch, and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was growing up in Jamaica, my pastor explained to a lot of us who were newly baptized as young Christians that this is a passage we needed to pay attention to, that in understanding this passage and really following what the Lord Jesus says, that this passage would actually open up for us the secret to the abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. That if we want to really unveil what it means to know Jesus and to walk with him, it's in this passage. It's wrapped up in that phrase, to abide with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of a few things that you may not get right from reading this passage. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples on the night of his betrayal. The next day, he would be crucified, he would be buried. And so between John 14 all the way over to John 17, what you have here are some of the parting words that Jesus had with his disciples before he left them. And he wants them to understand how to live this fruitful life in a world that is so broken, 
with darkness and with trouble. He's giving them, literally, this is what you need to do in order to be my disciples in this world. Abide in me. I read some time ago when I was, um, I used to subscribe to a leadership journal put out by Christianity Today called Leadership Magazine. And I still remember this very, very uh, humorous picture that was shown. It's the picture of a, a conventional looking church. And in the foreground, you can see this big sign that they had on their front lawn and they were trying to reach people. And the way in which they were trying to reach people, they wanted the community to know that we are a light church, L-I-T-E. Some of the things they say about their church, their church has 24% fewer commitments. Some of the things they're saying about their church is that they're the home of the 7.5% tithe. We're a light church. We only do 15-minute sermons. We only do 45-minute worship services. We are a light church. We only have eight commandments, and it's your choice. We just use three spiritual laws, and it goes on and it goes on, and then at the end it says, everything you've wanted in a church and less. Now, of course, this is all tongue-in-cheek, but there is a grain of truth here, right? I believe that the North American church is living and loving what I call a brand of low-commitment Christianity, where people stay on the periphery of faith, where people find the path of least resistance. We create churches where nobody has to sweat, nobody has to struggle. Do these people believe? Of course they do. Are they nice people? Of course they're nice people. But the one thing light churches will always do, they will never press you to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. What I want to talk to you about today is how do we go from being light, accommodating Christians to Christians who say, Jesus, I give you my all, I give you my best, you are worthy of all that I have. How do we live a life that is fully abiding in Christ? And so what I'd like to do is to have you open your Bibles, because in light churches you don't need to open your Bibles, because we all know the Bible already, right? But in churches like ours, we open the Bible. If you would, just take up one of those Red Pew Bibles and if you would open up to the place where Izzy just read, it's John chapter 15. And let's start with a verse that wasn't read, and that would be verse 16. We're going to go from the bottom. Imagine a ladder. We're starting from the bottom, the rung, and we're going to work our way up. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's a strong reminder for us. You know, we were just singing that song, I'm alive because of Jesus. The very breath that I breathe, it's because of Jesus. Sometimes we forget that, that it's not that we just said, you know what, oh, I think today I'm going to choose Christ. No, Christ chose us. Christ called us, and Christ gave us a mission, and that mission is to go and bear fruit. And notice it says fruit that will last. What is the fruit, though? I believe the fruit is love. Look at John 15 and verse 9. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved, has, has, has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. Christians should be the most loving people in all the world. Our mission is summed up in that word love. 
In Deuteronomy, we're told, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You won't find that allness in a light church. God demands our, our all. He demands our best. John 3.16, one that we know so well. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're called to live a life of love. We're called to imitate God. When we bear that lasting fruit of love in the world, things begin to change. People begin to see that there is a God. This love allows us to love our enemies. I read a, a book many years ago written by Christian Smith, who still is a professor of sociology at the University of Notre Dame. And he writes a lot about the church and the state of giving in the church and the, the state and the vitality of the church in North America. And he asks the question in one of his books, is the church attendance declining? And he says yes, and he gives three reasons why he says church attendance is declining. He says, one, it has to do with what he calls the rise of the religiously unaffiliated. He calls them nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Back in 1990, 8% of that demographic, young people from 18 to 35 years old, only 8% of them were, were, were not attending church in 1990. He says today that number has risen to 23%. And he says, why is that so? He says one possible reason could be that younger Americans are turned off by Christians who align more with a political party than they align with Jesus Christ. They would be happy to go downtown and bear a placard against something instead of saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Second reason he gives is that with the end of the Cold War, it made it possible to embrace atheism without happening to support or appearing to support the Soviet Union. That it's okay, it's very, actually pretty popular to say I'm an atheist and I don't believe. And he gives another reason, that after 9-11, there was a spike in the belief that all religions are inherently destructive. So people avoid Christianity and they avoid other religions because they say all religions just lead to violence. That's all we were about. And so it's not, it's, not, it's not by chance then that Jesus is telling us that the number one thing I want you to produce in your life is a life of love. The way forward is love. Love amazes. Love attracts. Love ignites passion. Love for God. Love for others. This is Jesus' mission for the church. Let's go one more step up on the ladder. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5 where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Did you see that? You will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to look at that last line. We forget that, don't we? Don't we forget that? We think that somehow we can, we can bear the fruit Jesus wants us to bear. And we can do it without Jesus. We can do the things Jesus wants us to do. And we can do it without Jesus. We can preach. And we can do all these things without Jesus. And Jesus says, you need to understand. If you're going to bear fruit, you've got to do it with me. Jesus in me. Jesus in you. That's how things are going to change. Without me, you can do nothing. Because we didn't choose him. He chose us. Just as a fish cannot exist without water, just as a bird can't fly without wings, 
car can't go down the road without a functioning engine. We can't hug our friends without our arms. In the same way, a Christian cannot bear witness to the love of Jesus and bear fruit without abiding in Christ. And without this abiding, without this love for Jesus, there's no prayer, there's no devotion to Scripture, there's no passion to see lives change, there's no passion to see the kingdom of God come in the world without abiding in Christ. All we have is a label. 90, 80% of Americans have a label. And they say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But when you look for the fruit, you don't see anything happening. All right, last verse. We're at the top of the ladder now. If you look at John 15, 1 through 3, look at that again. John 15, 1 through 3. Look at these words, guys. I am the vine. I don't have that one on the screen, so look at it in the Bible. Open your Bibles up, guys. We're not a light church. I am the true vine. And my Father is the... Yes, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will even be more fruitful. Fruitful, you are already cleansed or clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Let me, let me illustrate for you something that happened to us not long ago. We, well, a couple of things. And there's a whole story here but we wanted to grow a burning bush plant. Now, in the first service, there was a horticulturist sitting, horticulturalist sitting on the front pew, and he, he mouthed to me, that is not a burning bush. <laughs> so that's, that's mistake number one. We need our money back. When we thought we were buying a burning bush, that is what we thought we were going to have growing by the side of our house. And I kid you not, in retrospect, we would say that we committed gardening malpractice, and it's quite possible we did that. But we started out with the best of intentions. We planted this plant. There were, there were leaves on it. We, we, we followed the instructions. We dug the hole deep and wide. There's a song about that, right? But we dug the hole deep and wide. We put in all the proper soil and the nutrients, and we watered the thing. And instead of more leaves growing, we kept noticing that the leaves kept falling off. And I said, Judy, something is wrong with that. And eventually, we figured what happened. The plant died. Now, I'm going to assume it's our fault, you know, that this plant that was supposed to be bearing leaves and looking like that now looks like this. And we've been debating if we could find the receipt, we would take it back and we would get a refund. But there are a lot of Christians who are planted, they say, but they look just like that. And what we're going to do now finally is we're going to uproot this thing and we're going to get rid of it. And I know this is a very harsh text to, to read because there's a gardener, there's a heavenly father. He is seeking fruitfulness in your lives. And, and I've heard it said, and I tend to believe it, that some of my greatest periods of Christian growth didn't come singing praise songs. My greatest periods of Christian growth didn't come when I was on a retreat in a mountain somewhere having a holy moment with God. Some of my greatest moments of Christian growth came when I was experiencing some difficulties in my life, some hardships. And I want to believe that God was using those hardships as a garden shear to prune so that there would be greater fruitfulness in my life. I want to believe that this is what Jesus means 
He wants you to abide in him, stay rooted in him, because without him, there will be no fruit, and we're going to look like that. And we will not be able to change the world. We will not be able to see people come to know Jesus if a lot of us look like a tree without any spiritual growth. Now, let me tell you why this is so critical. Take a look at this statement that we have. It's on the front of your bulletin. It's the mission statement of our church. But I just want you to see that real quickly, why this is so important, that our church exists to know Jesus. We're not a light church. We are, we are unapologetic about that. Our church exists to know Jesus Christ so that we can, we can grow in him. Did you see that? To grow in him, and look at the next phrase, as we serve and make disciples in Evanston, the Chicago area, and the world. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that this is not going to happen at all if we are not rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ, if we're not abiding in him. The mission will just wither and we will see no fruit. Here's a mistake that we make. One of the mistakes we make in the church is that we think, here I am, and here's the church, and that what I do doesn't really affect the church. So I don't give. That won't affect the church because everybody else is giving. Well, I don't need to really serve because I'm just one person. They won't miss me if I'm not serving because everybody is serving. I don't need to tell other people about Jesus because the pastor can do it and everybody else is doing it. So, you know, the church is going to grow because other people are doing it. And we don't realize that when we think about the church, you are the church. We are the church. And if one member of the body, and I know in our church there's more than one member who is sitting on the periphery of the church and saying, oh yeah, we're going to grow and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be a giving church and we're going to be a serving church and we're going to be a disciple-making church and it's not going to happen if you are not involved in it. The church is only as strong as you are strong. So let me close by sharing with you three practices that, and, and, and I think they're rooted in the text that will help us to abide in Christ. So if we talk about abiding in Christ, how do we do that? I think, first of all, we need to make sure that we're abiding in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. How many of us could answer that question today? I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is my savior, I'm trusting in him. I'm not just a religious person, I don't just go to church. I'm literally abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to settle that question first. First, who is my Lord and my savior? Do I know him? Here's the second thing that we've gotta settle in order to abide in Christ. We need to abide in his words. To abide in Christ is to abide in his words. To be rooted in Christ is to be rooted in his words. And one of the places where we find his words, it's in the Bible. Notice what he says in verse 7. Do you see that in verse 7? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Look at verse 9. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And so the question you've got to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves is, are we people of the book? Are we reading God's word? Is the word of God in my heart? Is it on my lips? Is it part of my daily routine? Do you have a hunger for God's word? Listen, this is discipleship 101. 
You never find a fruitful Christian. Wherever you find a fruitful Christian, you find a word-centered Christian. Wherever you find a growing Christian, you find a word-centered Christian. Am I in God's word? Let me just tell you very quickly what I do. I have a, a, a discipline that I've developed. I didn't start with that, but, but, but my pastor helped me to develop that. He said, Ray, you need to read the Bible every day. And so when I wake up in the morning, and it just works for me in the morning, I have this system where I'm reading through the whole Bible till I get to the end. I'm almost to the end because the year is almost over, and I'm almost to the end of reading the Bible. Guys, I'm telling you, you're not going to be a fruitful Christian. You're not going to be an abiding Christian. You're not going to be a growing Christian if all you're taking in is a, a little dip into the water on a Sunday morning. Jesus says you don't live by bread alone. You live by every word. Every word that comes from me. Centered in God's word. Here's, a, here's the last thing, the last practice. You need to know your, Jesus is your savior and you're walking with him. You need to be abiding in his word. And here's the third thing. You need to be rooted in a life of prayer. Did you notice the relationship in verse nine between abiding in God's word and prayer? Did you notice that? Look at verse nine again. Look at verse nine again. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love and you'll be able to ask anything according to my will, and I will do it. Notice the relationship between people who are in the word and are people of prayer, because here's what happens when you're in the word. This is discipleship 101, guys. And if you want to grow in your faith, take, the, take it to heart, what I'm telling you now. If you want to learn and grow in your prayers where you're not just praying episodic prayers, and you know what those prayers are, right? Here's what episodic prayers sound like. Life is pretty good. We don't need to really pray to God and we're going along and we're going along and suddenly life takes a dip and we say, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me, help me, help me. And God lifts us out of the trouble and life gets smooth again and we're going along and we're going along and we're going along. We fall into another, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me, oh help me. You don't want to be that kind of praying Christian. You want to see prayer as part of your relationship with Jesus where you're abiding in his word and it is part of your daily routine to say, God, I thank you. I worship you. I praise you. Where you're praying every day, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask, you will pray. Your prayers are going to be answered according to his will. When we spend time praying, you know what happens to us? We begin to develop this ability to hear the voice of Jesus. And somebody says, well, Pastor Ray, how do you hear Jesus' voice? How do you know Jesus is speaking to you? Be a word-centered Christian, be a prayer-centered Christian, and you're going to hear him talking to you. And here's why you need to talk to Jesus, because when you talk to Jesus, he's going to guide you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to direct your step. Prayer will bring you closer to him. Prayer will bring you into the orbit of Jesus' power. Prayer will embolden you to develop this compassion to see people being encouraged and brought to Jesus. The greatest thing, the greatest thing we can do for Jesus is just to give ourselves to him in complete devotion. Because as the church goes, as we go, so goes the church. And all these goals that we're talking about, forget those goals. They're just words on a paper. If we are not abiding in Jesus and his power, and I'm telling you guys three simple ways to develop that sense of Jesus' presence with you. Number one, Lord, I need to give my life to you. If you haven't done that before, 
we want to pray with you today to say, Lord, I give you my all. I, I surrender my life to you. You died so that I might live. The second way to do that is just to say, Jesus, these are your words. Your words are life. Your words are truth. Your words will set me free. Your words will show me my sin. Your words will help me to be a better man, a better woman. Your words, oh God, will order my steps. And The third thing I want you to do, if you're going to be a fruitful, growing, abundant believer, is to pray. Pray. Because God has chosen to hear the prayers of his people. All over the place I go, I visit churches, I talk to pastors, and I ask them, which is the most well-attended service? He said, well, if we have a concert, we get a lot of people to come. If we have a big dinner, we get a lot of people to come. And then if it's Christmas Eve or it is Easter, we get a lot of people to come. Sunday morning, yeah, we still get more people to come. So which is the smallest service in your church? You know what he told me? The prayer meeting. Nobody prays. And you wonder why we don't see the hand of God. We wonder why we don't see miracles. We wonder why we don't see the kingdom of God coming on this earth because we just don't believe in the power of prayer. I didn't always believe in it either. But man, once I started getting into the word of God and abiding with Jesus... I began to understand what Jesus said. You know, we were singing that song, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. It, it's taken from John 15, where Jesus says, greater works than these will you do because I'm going back to the Father. There are greater things yet to be done. And so we, my brothers and sisters, must be people of prayer. One of the best ways I learn how to pray is just to pray with other people. Pray with other people. May God help us as we continue to grow in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen.